This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. My name is Sarah Nangama. And I'm Dean Hallatow. Coming up in the next hour, we'll take a look back at the weekend in sport. We've got a great interview with Tane Milne, Rabbitohs superstar winger. And another hard-hitting question from You Can Ask That. Uh, there's plenty to get through, but first, says, how's the week? It's great to have you back in studio. I know last week was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still carried the show remotely from, from a distance, but we've got you back in here this week. Again, that really explains the severe back pain that I have. (laughs) My week has been great. It's fantastic to be back from Kayama and in Sydney. We started Wallaroos preseason earlier this week. I've like what? It's only been about two, two weeks, three weeks since we finished the Super Rugby competition. About that, yeah. Yeah, about that. Since you lifted the the trophy? Yeah, since I lifted the trophy. And uh, look, I really had my butt handed to me um, early in the week, but that's okay. That's just the nature of preseason. We know it's not for the faint-hearted. But outside of that, I also have picked up a role that you used to do, which is I am now a TV host. Yes, well done. Thank you for a show called That Pacific Sports Show. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait to watch the first episode and give you some feedback, which are, it's going to be good feedback because you're a natural. And yeah, it's great that that concept can continue on, on TV, hosted by yourself. And... I've got a really funny story for you though. What's that? So it's first day Yeah. on set, get there, my hairdresser's there, got my own dressing room, doing my hair. Next thing you know, the fire alarm has gone off. The building manager walks in. He's like, what the hell are you girls doing? And I said, well, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm getting my hair done. Yes, the fire alarm has been set off. So the whole studio had to evacuate and we couldn't go back into the building until the firefighters arrived. So look, it was a pretty rough day I don't for my say first it. day it's on a set. A little bit deaverish, deaverish behaviour, getting your hair to set off the alarms on your TV show. Look, the gods bless me with this, mate. So I'm just, I'm just doing my best to look after it. But enough about me, Dean. How's your week been? Uh, week's been good. Uh, business as usual in terms of work. Uh, Although there has been quite a bit happening at the NRL with um, people moving all about the place, competition trying to survive so that um, we can keep watching games, players can keep playing games, and uh, it supports a lot of people, the NRL, so it's, uh, it's great that it can continue. Otherwise, at home with my family, doing the homeschooling thing with my two daughters and Killing it. Uh, just seeing, seeing each other every day has been good. It's testing at times, but... My girls are awesome. They they get on with it. They, they've been doing their work, and my wife's overseeing them, overseeing me while I do my work. Uh, it's been enjoyable. That's really cool to hear. I also want to give a shout out. Talking about lifting trophies before, give a shout out to your brother Kevin over in the Super League. <gasps> yeah, they St Helens were able to, to win the Challenge Cup, uh, which is the first time. Hang on, what's it? this is like oh, a family theme win, song. Win. This one. The Nangamas. <laughs> We're used to winning this year. We don't know how long it'll be here for, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, how good. Well done, Kevin. Well done, St. Helens. It was uh, great to see them do that. Thank you. Um, this week, we're going to touch on some of the try celebrations that have been going on in the NRL. Of course, there's a betting agency that's decided to pledge $5,000 per try celebration to the Mossy Mossoy Foundation. Mossy playing over in the Super League suffered a fairly catastrophic injury, I think, two seasons ago now. So uh, it's great that the sport betting agency has got on board and, and wants to support them. I'm not a fan of sport betting agencies, but I'm a fan of what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the moment, they're closing in on $200,000 or thereabouts. So huge. 
It's a fantastic initiative and such um, a great pledge to go to a very valuable cause. And, I mean, that's a huge sum of money to give. But talking about tries, there have been some pretty interesting celebrations this week. Yeah, Viliami Kikau, he got a, he got a <laughs> double on the weekend, but in doing so, he uh, decided to sit down and have a drink of some carver. It was fantastic. Charged down, collects his own ball, crosses the white line, three three claps, takes a sip. What a strong Fijian man. Yeah, very good to see that from Viliami. Nico Hines did a shoey, very very Australian uh, thing to do. We see it all around the world now, but he uh, mocked a shoey, whipped the boot off and done a shoey. I think he had to kick a goal after that too. So he would have put the boot back on really quickly. And then your laces as well. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you thought that all the way through. Have you but, ever done a shoey? Um, no. I was, I'll tell you, so I was at a wedding mm-hmm. uh, for an old teammate of mine and everyone was doing shoeys. And uh, you were peer pressured. No, no, I went to do it. I looked over, and my wife gave me the eyes. I don't you dare put that shoe near your mouth. And yeah, I um, put the shoe back on my foot. I've actually heard a really interesting thing that if you're ever prompted to do a shoey, take someone else's shoe so that you don't have a wet shoe. That's that's smart, smart in a sense that your shoe stays dry, but I don't know about drinking out of someone else's shoe. Yeah, moving yeah. right along, <laughs> try celebrations at done. The plays of the week. The Q Cup, which is back underway, it's great to see it back underway. The PNG Hunters have had a bit of a, a joyful weekend. Yes, they finally clock a win, which I know there's been um, a couple of weeks in the making because they've had a pretty inconsistent season so far. But they defeated the Northern Pride 34-22. to Yeah, well done to the PNG Hunters. Solihuane got a hat-trick. We seen him score a try out of his own in-goal about three weeks ago, and he is blistering fast, and he, he racked up a hat-trick, so big... Big reason behind their win on the weekend. Uh, in NRL, a game I want to stop and talk about was the Storm defeating the Knights 48-4. to They continue to be a dominant force in the NRL. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They had a really strong performance. I mean, it's no secret that the Melbourne Storm continue to press week in and week out. But a point that was kind of brought across um, to me was that, you know, you would have thought that once the likes of the Billy Slaters and the Cameron Smiths had left, that the club would probably go through a bit of a lull trying to rebuild that legacy. But I think that they're in such good stead to have or to continue that really um, winning legacy at the club. And it's to the likes of, um, you know, the Munsters and the Pappenhausens who really carry the team. But, you know, want to give out a really a, a strong shout out to Justin Erling who crossed the, the line twice. Also, George Jennings, he clocked himself another two tries. Jerome Hughes and Remy Smith, like, again, such a strong performance from a very outstanding team. Yeah, and Jerome Hughes, for me, behind Nathan Cleary, he's the best halfback in the competition. He's um, going from strength to th- strength. He was a bit of a utility back uh, early part of his career. He started late. Uh, he's a late bloomer in, in terms of NRL ages to, to start playing NRL, but um, he, he's playing enormously at the moment for the Storm. And yeah, they're going to be very hard to stop come September, October. And the Panthers defeated the Warriors 30-16. to 16. The Panthers continuing to be one of the other form teams of the competition. We mentioned Viliami Kikau already had two tries. Brian To'o crossed, surprise, surprise. And Charlie Staines, a double, uh, but good performance from the Panthers. The Warriors... Yeah, they had a really unlucky run against um, the Panthers, obviously. But, you know, they were really smashed with injuries, but they really fought to the end. They lost Roger Tuvasa-Shek, Tohu Harris and Rocco Berry. And, you know, regardless of the end result, I think that they really fought towards the end. And I think that speaks characters of um, 
just, I guess, how united that they, they are. And um, again, far from ideal, but we wish those players all the best with their recovery. Yeah, really, really big losses. They're, three of their they're really good players. It's brutal, man. The captain and Tohu Harris has probably been one of their best forwards for a number of years. So um, bad news for him with, with that knee injury. Um, the Tigers defeated the Broncos 42-24. Follow, they played after that Panthers-Warriors game. It was a doubleheader up at Lang Park in Brisbane. And um, yeah, it was back and forth end to end staff. Luciano Lalua crossed the line. David Nofaluma, he, sc- he scored two tries. He's uh, now the all-time uh, top try scorer for the West Tigers. Wow. So huge achievement for him. He is Tigers through and through. And um, yeah, he, he's a, a really... A uh, wholehearted player for the Tigers. He turns up week in, week out and, and puts in the same performances. So well done to, to Nofra on, on getting to that point. Absolutely. It's, an, it's no small feat and I'm sure it's one that he'll feel really proud of. But man, what a guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a good guy, <laughs> Nofra. Uh, the last game of the round was uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs defeating the Bulldogs in a really tight match. It was uh, it started out like it was going to be a, a bit of a, a cakewalk for the, the Rabbitohs, but the Bulldogs put up a bit of a fight. Uh, Tane Milne crossed the line twice, who we'll hear from later in the show. Alex Johnston, sorry, Tane Milne scored one try. Alex Johnston scored two tries. Who <laughs> um, He actually suffered a bit of a hamstring strain in the game, Alex, so he'll be sidelined for a period of time. Uh, he sits on top of the try scoring ladder at the moment for the season. Josh had a car closely behind, so it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Yes, and speaking of the Rabbitohs, there was a very stupid sim being going into halftime. Lachlan Lewis, he tackled Cody Walker on the way to the sheds, which was a little bit stupid. It was weird. It was weird. He he. So Cody Walker nearly scored on halftime. The Bulldogs did a really good job to stop him from scoring. And then I think Lachlan Lewis was involved in the tackle just over the top. They must have said some words getting up. I'm not too sure. Cody Walker's got a bit of cheek in him, which is which is fine. <laughs> and then he said something, and they were shoulder to shoulder. And Lachlan Lewis just reacted by sort of going for the wrestle, like underhook, hip toss type thing. And it wasn't really anything, but it was unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> Started a bit of push and shove, and he rightfully got Sinbin, but like at half time. So uh, silly play there by Lachlan. Is it, I'll, I'll put it down to a brain snap. Yeah, not worth it to be honest. And on the topic of NRLs, and I feel like you could speak to this better than anyone anyone else, is that the NRL families have um, been approved to be relocated with the players. Yes, as we know, the, the comp has been relocated entirely to, to Queensland and, and all teams are now located up there. But um, one of the priorities from the NRL was to get families up there to, to join their players. It's uh, we, We've seen from last year with teams relocating the Warriors, the Storm, that it was a big strain on families left back at home so they managed to get them um, to those locations to be there to support them the warriors not all but this year they've, they've been able to manage to get queensland um, government and queensland health on board to grant exemptions for families to go up they have to go through the normal hotel hotel quarantine procedures so they are quarantined for two weeks where they'll rejoin uh, their, their families in, in the team hubs uh, post that so um, really good that they've been able to do that it, it is a, a fairly strict process because Queensland Health and Queensland Government have to do the right thing by their own communities uh, which means protecting them as, as much as possible um, and the families will go up there and um, be reunited with their players in a couple of weeks. Very special and I think it'll mean a lot to the players um, to be able to play the game that they love so much and have their families in the stands as well. No doubt. Now, Rugby Internationals occurred on the weekend. Do you want to talk us through some of those results, Says I would love to. So the first match I want to talk about is the Samoa versus Tonga game. Samoa beat them 37 to 15. What's really special about this win is that Samoa um, and their win on the weekend actually qualifies them for the 2023 World Cup. That's, um, you know, basically the inspiration, not ins- the inspiration, but the motivation behind the past couple of matches is because the nations were trying to qualify. So I think that's a huge wrap to the side to be able to solidify their place in the World Cup. Yeah, well done to the Manu 
Samoa team. And obviously always a lot of feeling when Tonga and Samoa come together. So much. In any sport, but in rugby in particular, um, they'll be definitely happy with those celebrations afterwards were great. And uh, we can't wait to see them in the World Cup. Yeah, no doubt that the, the nation of both, like the people of Samoa and Tonga would be so proud of their men for the performance that they've put out there for the past fortnight. And turning our attention to the All Blacks versus Fiji game. I know last week we spoke and I was very passionate about the fact that the Flying Fijians could possibly make a very strong comeback, but unfortunately they didn't. They lost 60-13. to 13. Um, I don't necessarily think that they played um, any worse than what they did last week. I think they've actually had very strong performances. Again, and as we addressed in the show last week, um, they didn't actually have the best preparation with plays in and out. But at the end of the day, Fiji was just really proud to be there and to play. And I think um, – and again, just like with any nation that played on the weekend. Um, our country was so proud. It was a really heartwarming scene for me when the camera was going around the stadium and just seeing people with flags and, you know, blue-coloured wigs. And I'm like, man, that's exactly what the game is all about. It's about bringing people together. And it was just so great to see that on display. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, well done to, to Fiji to be able to, to participate in a series against the All Blacks, who are the, the benchmark in, in mm. international rugby. Um, yeah, not the result that they would have been looking for, but the ability to participate in a match like that will serve them well in the future. And they also get to watch their sevens team go around in the Olympics, which no doubt is going to be um, a different a different celebration uh, yeah. following that one. I feel, I'm feeling really good about where we're going with the Olympics. So we'll touch on it. We'll touch on that a little bit later. And the last picture that I want to talk about is the Wallabies versus France game. That ties, that is a, the end of the, the test series. Australia defeated France 33 to 30. It was an incredible match. This has been like a really tight series, right? Yes. And, and the Wallabies have probably come under a fair bit of scrutiny over the last few years. It's been tough, and, and, and you could speak to this as it's been tough, the Australian rugby landscape. So mm-hmm. for the Wallabies to be getting some success against France, who are highly ranked in the world, um, here on home soil and, and be performing really, really well t- to win that match would have been meant a lot to Dave Rennie and, and his players. Yeah, I know for the longest time we've you know, often heard the critics talk about the Wallabies having to rebuild themselves to be that legendary side that they once were. And I really think we are heading in the right direction. You can't talk about this game without mentioning what took place in the opening minutes when Marika Corombete was red carded. Um, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen snippets of it on social circulating, but it was such an unfortunate call because, you know, what are you supposed to do when you're not even 10 minutes deep into a match and then you're placed with 14 men on the field? And the final score was such a display of, I guess, how united, but how strong this Wallaby side is. And Tate McDermott, he was so crucial for them, um, paired with Noel Lulicia, who was in the number 10 jersey, 9-10. They just dominated throughout the field. Michael Hooper was sensational for the side as well. All around, it was it was fantastic, even that by the time that they put the bench on, including the likes of the Tongan Thor, Tanya Latupo, he muscled over the line and really put the, the Wallabies in a place where they needed to be to be able to finish strong. And then, you know, it comes to the final minute, and you and I have spoken about this, we don't necessarily have our kicking licence, but... Valencia <laughs> scored the match-winning penalty, and um, yeah, it was just really fantastic because I guess that result enabled them to be able to lift that trophy, and they can put a W next to their name for this test series. Well done to the Wallabies, and uh, we'll move over now to AFL. We'll bring in our resident AFL expert, Renell Moa. Renell, what happened in AFL on the weekend? So it was a pretty good weekend, considering there was a lot of um, drama with the with COVID. Everyone was getting moved around a bit. Uh, a couple of players from both the Swans and the Giants actually five minutes before they were set to play. They're warming up, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. they got um, told they had to 
off you go because they'd been to the rugby match down in Melbourne the week before. Oh, no way. So they're in a hotspot, so they were out. So a little bit of turmoil and, and that. But Geelong with Radagalia or Ratungolea. Hmm. Um, defeated the Fremantle Dockers 100 to 31. So it was a really so dominant close. performance. Yeah, nice close one. Was um, it close at all? No. 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 Not even like for a no. three Maybe, maybe three for the first minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, but the Cats are just, they're a top team. Yeah. And um, the good news for them is that they've actually re-signed Masaba for another two more years. So that was very exciting for them. And West Coast... Eagles with the big man Nick Nat defeated Adelaide Crows ninety eight to fifty six. Nat Nui back in form, very strong, and it was his two hundredth game. So what a way to celebrate with a really strong win! Win, that's really, really strong. strong win. Two hundred games—that's an incredible, incredible achievement. Particularly considering the amount of injuries that he's gone through. So, like, to be able to play that and come through those injuries and still be a dominant force in that team. Mm. For sure. So good. good on him. In bad news in the AFL, Dustin Martin actually suffered a season-ending kidney injury. So he's a Richmond Tigers player. Superstar. And he is a superstar. Um, any commentator will tell you over and over again all throughout any game, whether he's playing or not, how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, he is a great player. So it is really sad to see, and I was really disappointed to see some of the negative um, reaction to it in terms of like almost celebrating his downfall, which I think is a really awful That's thing. Poor. I think you want to beat the best mm. because you want to you want to be the best because you've beaten the best, not because they're injured and so they're not playing as well. And also, when he plays, if he's playing against your team, he's putting bums on seats and he's putting eyeballs on screens because he he is the best in the game, right? So yeah. Yeah, that's pretty negative. He's even like he's at the category of he just gets called Dusty and everyone knows who they're talking about. Yeah. Not even a full name needed. No. Goat status. Like Madonna. Yeah, that's right. well, Dustin Martin I'm... compared to Madonna. That's a good one. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate, but uh, we wish him all the best with his recovery nonetheless. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, we want to talk about the netball last week. For those who tuned in, I had the very special sorry, the very special opportunity to interview Tiana Matarau. She is a Southern Steel player. They were preparing for their fixture against the Northern Stars where they did win 46 to 45. So congratulations to her. And to the other team that we love and we follow uh, very closely here in the studio is the GWS Giants. They had beaten the New South Wales Swifts 55 to 59. Um, It was Undoubtedly, the match of the round that everyone was really looking forward to. Both sides are very, very competitive. Started off the season very strong, kind of went through a bit of a lull, um, but they're kind of heading towards the business end of the season and uh, it was a very competitive match. Yeah, very competitive match and it's a, it's a real tight tussle in the top four uh, in the Super Netball. I think it's the top three are all on seven wins apiece. Uh, they're all equal points. Obviously, the, the GWS Giants have uh, a better for and against, a better points differential. So um, a few rounds to go before the finals. I think it's almost looking likely that the top four will remain that way, depending on other results. But um, we'll get to see the, the Swifts, the GWS Giants, the local teams that we're around mm. playing in, in those finals. Who are the other teams that are, in the fi- that are looking finals bound? I want to say... Don, who would you say? No, no looking, no cheating. Um, Let's see how good your netball knowledge is. Sunny Coast? Yeah. And Thunder. Oh, the Sunny Coast are Thunder, aren't they? Well, it's Sunshine Coast Lightning and West Coast Fever. 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 I got the Thunder wrong. (laughs) It's Thunderbirds. 
Damien Adelaide. So in summary, you're expecting to see the Giants, the Swifts, Lightning, West Coast Lightning Fever. and West Coast Fever. Yeah, they're all going to be there. Mate, by the end of this season, we are going to be able to speak strong Nepal language. We will be able to. Yeah, we will. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? So today for Tell Another Time, we're joined by... Uh, Tane Milnes, South Sydney Rabbitoh, tri-scoring machine on the wing. Uh, he's 26 years old, born in Auckland, but moved to Redfern. So he's playing for the team uh, where he lived as a youngster uh, and he's yep. making waves on an edge now for the, for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, doing a great job. Tane, welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? Oh, thank you for having me, mate. Oh, happy to be here. Life's a little bit different for you guys at the moment, but we're going to break the ice. Says is going to get into something with you. Tyler, so great to have you. What we like to do with the guests on the show is we go through a quick 60-second um, kind of questionnaire, and basically what we want you to do is just say the first answer that comes to mind. It's called Tip On. It'll be super cruisy. Oh, yeah. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, the clock is on. Which is better, the book or the movie? The movie. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> great. What was your first concert? Uh, I don't know, my first one, Stick 60 came to my head, so... Love. He was your most annoying teammate? Uh, probably Cody Walker. <laughs> Do you have a hidden talent? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Nah, rubbish at karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> You're being too humble in this one. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? Eight. Mm, questionable. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, Where's Wally? What's something you could eat for a week straight? Wait, is it Where's Wally? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's a book, whale? but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. What's something you could eat for a week straight? Uh, rice. Rice. Yes. What would you have with your rice? Don't say tuna. Chicken, chicken. chicken. Yes, love chicken that. Curry, chicken curry rice. So 660 is the first concert that you've been to? Nah, it's not the first concert, but that is the concert that came to my head. It's the first, the first one you could remember, right? Yeah, okay. What's sorry. your favourite yeah, yeah. 660 tune? Um, I like all the songs, eh? I like, I like um, Special. Yeah. Special's good, yeah. yeah. That's song, yeah. Um, uh, only to be like all the, all the, all the original, like the, yeah, music, the first good, one. Oh, yeah. Got good taste in music, my guy. What about Cody Walker as an annoying teammate? What does he do that's really like he's, he's a bit of a pest on the field to other opposition <laughs> mm. players? Just ask Lachlan Lewis, but um, yeah, what does he yeah, do yeah. around training? Oh, he just grabs like the back of your hairs and the back of your legs, and that. <laughs> <laughs> Or you're just like walking along and you're just coming like the scream in your ears. It's just annoying. Like, <laughs> That's pretty funny. I think you're supposed to you, want... you, you, you always need some of them in your team. So there's a couple. There's Adam Reynolds as well is a bit of a pest. So. There's something around halves. But those two are supposed to be like the senior players in the team, the, the like the leaders and the yeah, dads and, and that, you know. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. They are, they are. They're lucky they're coming up on the field otherwise. <laughs> I love it. Well, just speaking yeah. about rugby league, I, we are so intrigued to know a little bit more about you and your career. And we want to take it straight to the beginning. So how did you get involved in rugby? Well, so um, I grew up in New Zealand and uh, obviously my, my, my family, my whole family played and I think it just followed through there and all, all the neighbours and uncles and cousins just just playing. I started playing when I was three. So 
Uh, yeah, just mum chucked me in there and, uh, yeah, I remember now. Growing up, was rugby league the only sport that you played? Uh, rugby league was in the winter and then in the summer we played uh, softball. Uh, in hey. New Zealand. Was, yes. Softball, uh, first it was T-ball and then we got a bit older, went into softball. So I would have yeah, never guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, when I moved over here, I um, started playing union as well. So the game went to a union then. school. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about <laughs> tell us about the move over to Australia. When did you move over? What was, um, I guess, the reason behind the family coming over? Yeah, um, so Mum just uh, decided one year just to pack up the stuff, and obviously it's a bit of a bit of a uh, I wouldn't say hard life. It's it's pretty normal to um, the way we grew up in New Zealand, but just for a better life. Um, she just yeah, we just in two thousand and seven, I was twelve, uh, moved over to Sydney, and yeah, it's been been awesome. Probably. Wouldn't be here today if we didn't move here. I don't know. We could be could be doing other things. And um, I don't know. Yeah. So mum mum brought us over here. And what about where you where you played your like junior footy? I guess when you did move to Sydney, what were the the clubs that you played at as you were growing up? Um, so I moved, my first club when I played over here was um, the Clovelly Crocodiles. That's um, that's a, a Roosters comp there. Um, my mum just worked up the road there, so I just found a found a try to just find a local club there. And, yeah, that was. I was lucky enough to land there, and it's been some good players that's coming um, coming out of that club. A couple are playing the NRL at the moment, so yeah, it's an awesome club. That's really awesome. I just want to touch a little bit on your family. I know that you're of um, Maori and Fiji and background. Um, yep. Are you deeply connected to your roots, one more than the other, or um, could you uh, share yeah, a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, really connected to my Maori side. Um, my my Fiji side is not so much. Um, pretty. Disappointed, disappointing. But um, my um, my grandfather is from Fiji, and oh, I haven't really had much to do with him. Um, I still haven't met him, or yeah, so not really uh, that strong in those lines. But the, the Maori side of it is obviously I always go back to New Zealand and see my great my great grandmother. She's still she's still kicking out on the farm there. So yeah. Well, I suppose though, with uh, even though you say that you're not as connected to your Fijian side as yet, you've still been able to represent Fiji at the international level. Um, surely that was yeah. a great experience and, and something that you could, I guess, get that little bit more of a connection that you, you might be looking for. Yeah, mate, um, that, that was awesome. Um, the first time I, I represented Fiji was, I think it was 2016. Um, and that camp was probably one of the, it was the best, it, it wasn't probably, it was the best camp I've, I've ever, ever been involved with in the rugby league. And, um, you know, now, now that every year that comes around, I'm, I'm happy to put my hand up and play for him. It's, it's just a proud moment. I uh, played, played in the World Cup there and uh, beat New Zealand in front of my in front of my family there watching in Wellington. And that was the, probably the most special moment from my, my career so far. That's really cool to hear. And I just want to touch a little bit more on your Fiji Bhatia experience. Um, I've yep. definitely witnessed you in action with the boys and um, quite like Kevin and Wes, when they come out of camp, they always speak about how special it is. What is so special about Fiji Bhatia camp? I think it's just the, just the vibes you get in the camp. Like it's, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. Like it's, um, it's so special. Like you wake up in the morning and you get a devotion, and you're playing cards, and you're in the room, you're mucking around, pranking each other. We've got all the, everyone in the team are all jokesters. It's just, it's just <laughs> like nothing, nothing serious. But then when we get on the field, like you know, you know, you're gonna turn up for your brother beside you, and that's the best thing about it. Like I think the games are good, all good, but the, the experiences in camp is, is what's special to me.
It's it's something that we see often when we when we watch a Fiji inside play is is how connected yep. everyone is, and it does look like a, a family that that comes together to play uh, in, in a Test match. Do you have a your sights set on the World Cup at the end of the year? Is that something that you're hoping yeah, to be part yeah. of? Um, there's there's a few messages going around, and I think they've confirmed the the World Cup going on this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely I'm really excited. I've put my hand up so. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. And I've spoke to a few of the boys um, from other clubs, and they're they're also happy to play as well. So, you know, it should be an awesome experience. I can't wait. I've been I've been to England before, and uh, that was just well while I was at, while I was at school, and it was an unreal experience. And I can't, I can't imagine what it's going to be like with all those boys there. So cool. Well, you're certainly doing yourself uh, no harm in the way that you're playing at the moment because you are, as I said earlier, you're you're doing a great job on the wing for the, the Rabbitohs and uh, scoring tries are plenty. You're actually the good luck charm for the Rabbitohs, I believe. You've played seven games and you haven't lost a game yet as a, a, a Rabbitoh. Yeah, so I was talking to some of the boys um, last night and I was telling them, I was like, mate, you know, because I, I haven't actually lost the NRL game since 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because I only played one game in um, 2019. I got done my ACL, so I was out for it last year. And then, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. But just thinking, I, was, I haven't been in a team so successful, but now it's um, uh, taking it with both hands. It's pretty special when you win games. It's often um, joked about in our studio that uh, I haven't lost a game. Oh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't lost any games in, in Super Rugby or club for the past for three years. Three years, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for the past Very three years. Um, I can't say the same for our good mate over here, Dean. Um, well, I haven't played for five years, so. But, but like we said, <laughs> no bad days, just character building That's days. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to bring, yeah, based um, off what, Dean was talking to you about, and I guess all the yep. success you've experienced so far in the NRL. Do you have a game day ritual? Um, not really game day ritual. I, I I listen to the same songs. It's weird. Like uh, just before I go out, I listen to a song. What's the song? It just sort of it sort of pumps me up. It's um dilemma by Kelly Rowland. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a six sixty song. I don't know why, but it just makes me like think about like, um I don't know just what I I, I I listen to it and I think about what my job is and then. Uh, that, that's that's probably the superstition. I, I listen to that song before before I turn the phone off. Is it the greatest? So, yeah. That's the song I was yeah, thinking. No, yeah. No, no, no. It's not the greatest. Oh. Um, Don't forget your roots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is. It is? Yes. It's because oh. yeah, I, I think like I think about other things and then I think about my job after that. So yeah. That's it's, not, it's not a big pump up song, but it gets me thinking. No, it's got messages like, in it, but that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really solid. And I know that you guys are currently or pretty much the whole NRL competition is in a hub. How are you finding hub life? Yeah, no, it's um it's it's different. It's uh there's five clubs here where I'm staying. Uh we're pretty much on top of each other. But uh I don't mind it because 'cause I've got mates and the other teams that I get to see. Obviously like Kane just then can hang out with him. I never never get to do that every day. <laughs> and um yeah, it's uh it's 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 not a bad experience. So everyone everyone's saying, Oh, are you all right in that? It's pretty sweet. We're getting good food and looked after. So. Hey, as long as the food is good, right? It's, <laughs> that's it, yeah. It's good perspective to have. Okay, can I ask, has uh, Cody Walker crossed paths with Lachlan Lewis at all uh, since the weekend? Oh, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> I, I think that's... Oh yes, I, I think they just left it out on the field there. But um, yeah, no, no, that's cool. That's cool. Just, <laughs> I actually have a question about how Do you guys have your own rooms, or do you have to have roomies? 
No, no, we've got our own rooms. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. I love that. Good views, but we just can't go anywhere. So. <laughs> you can look at it and appreciate it. <laughs> we've got a golf course. We've got, we've got a golf course just outside our balconies. And that. we're just, we're just, <laughs> that's and as good as it's get getting. The, um, when they get down the fairway, we're just tearing them on to get on the green. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, Tyler, yeah. it's been so special to speak to you. But before we wrap things right. up, I guess for any of our young listeners that are listening in and also really look up to you, do you have any advice for them? Uh, just, just probably advice that, as I got told, uh, just don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams and, uh, you know, just hard work, uh, dedication, and you'll get you, you'll get what you want. So, yeah. Spoken like a true legend. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that was Tiny Amelia. Sorry, I just completely said your, your surname incorrectly. Let me do that again. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Tiny Mill. <laughs> he is a Rabbitohs player, and it's been so special to have you on Can You Be More Pacific, and we wish you all the best uh, for the remainder of the season. All right, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That was Tane Milne. It was great to have him on board. And he's having a great season. He's made his way to another club at the South Sydney Rabbitohs and really enjoying what he brings to that team on a fairly star-studded backline. So well done, Tane. Can you be more specific on ABC Radio Australia? And ABC Sport Digital Radio. I love this part of the show. It is the You Can Ask That segment. For anyone who has not listened to this before, it's basically an opportunity where listeners can ask a current or former athlete anything. And the question that I came across this week was actually found on the ABC Sport Instagram. And I'm just going to read you the question. It's a would you rather. You love a would you rather? I love would you rathers. All right. Sweet. Let's go. Would you rather get paid a lot to be on a bad team or paid below average to be on an elite team? Good question. Um, I, without talking from experience of getting paid a lot, because I never did, um, I, I would take the average amount to be on a good team because I, I think, this is this is my opinion anyway, anyone that has played elite level is chasing premierships, like chasing the opportunity to lift a trophy. Unless you've gone through that once and you say, I, I've achieved that, I've ticked that off, I can uh, just go get paid and be around a, a poor team. But as I say this, I think maybe there's those that want to get paid the big money because they're the good players and they want to go to a poor team and lift them to be to be good. Yeah, I think it's... It's bamboozled me now, this question. Yeah, I know. It's a very interesting question, right? Because, you know, we also have to remember that this game, that, you know, whatever sport that the athlete is involved in, that is actually their livelihood, right? So would it... I don't necessarily think it's a selfish thing for them to be like, well, a club is offering me more money. I'm going to go there for X, Y, Z reasons. But then I also think of the same breath and you raise a very, very good point is that athletes play to win and to lift trophies and to win premierships. So, I mean, I don't know exactly where I would stand, but um, I don't know. How, how, how do you, when, like, because you're someone who would have definitely had to go through um, processes of contract negotiation. What was the most important thing to you as an athlete when you were considering an offer? Getting one is the first one. <laughs> Getting an offer to stay somewhere. Um, that was always it was always around well, what's going to suit my family the best. So I, yeah. I was always reluctant to move out of Sydney. I wanted to stay in Sydney, so that eliminates uh, a lot of teams mm-hmm. if uh, if I'm looking abroad or, or up north or wherever. Um, so yeah, it was always stay local, whatever suited my family, and how yeah, how much do I need to earn to to support our living costs like mortgage or whatever was our expenses at the time. Um, but then also to be able to put away for the future, that were the sort of considerations that I had in mind. But yeah, it's, 
if if you want to chase, because you're only in in sport for a, a certain period of time. I played. I was lucky enough to play for 14 seasons. So cool, man. But not not everyone gets to do that to be able to play that long. So I can understand people saying, "Well, I'm only in it for a short time. I need to get paid because I'm going to put my body through this, this, and this. And uh, why wouldn't I want to take the cash?" I think it takes a, a fair bit of self awareness too. Like if you think that you're the type of person that can put up with the attention that comes with earning big money on a, on a poorly performing team where the attention is going to be squarely directed at you for, um, for being highly paid, maybe not delivering in the eyes of fans, supporters, people that analyze the game, then if you're able to put up with that, then by all means, go get the money if that's what you, your focus is and your goals are for you, you and your family. But it's such, a, it's such a tricky question that I'm sure people have very different views about what they'd rather do. Yeah. I think just speaking from my personal experience is that, as we know, the women's um, rugby, particularly 15s format, it's not a fully professional sport. And so, you know, often there's been conversations of, and because New South Wales Waratahs have been um, such a dominant team in the Super W competition about splitting talent. And while that has been spoken about, for me, what I think it would come down to is like, would the team that I'm going to, like, do my values align with that team? Yeah. Because like there's no money involved in it. So I'm not saying that everything that I make is based, like um, the decision I make would be purely based of emotion, but I think that would be more important to me than the money because I've never really had to consider money as a factor. Um, so I think um, while this question is so great, and I just love hearing your perspective on it as well, I think it's so individual, right, is because depending on where an athlete is in their life at that moment, they could be single and just wanting to, you know, kind of save for the future. They might have a family and have to make decisions based around that. But I think personally for me, I to answer this question, and I want you to give me your honest answer, is that I would rather be paid below average to be on an elite team. Yeah, that's where I'd go with it. I, I, I'm this, and this is purely my own experience. I'm not, I'm not the player to go to a team and lift them from a, a wooden spoon team to be number one in the competition. Yeah. So my impact is going to be contributing to, you know, a, a high, a high performing team in my own way as at my level. Can I, can I ask you the question with the, the talking about women's sport and like where it is at in terms of dollars? Yeah. What about? Would you go to a different code if the money was better? <laughs> no, I'm, and then this is this is genuine. I'm not trying yeah, to okay, entice you okay, out of okay, the NRLW. No. Uh, this is not a pitch, but I'm just here's a question in the same vein. Like, would you go to a different code if the money and the and the resources dedicated to that were better than where your passion is? Uh, I think in short, yes. In short, I would. But for me, and I, you know, this question often gets spun around is that I have very firm um, aspirations of what I want to achieve in my rugby. And I, I haven't, I haven't done that yet. Yeah. And while I guess other codes may be quite uh, attractive and don't get me wrong, I love following them. I just don't feel like I'd be able to sleep at night because I haven't done something that like 17 year old Sarah dreamt about. And I'm like kind of in the space right now to be able to achieve that goal. Who knows if I'll do it, um, but I would rather give my all to that before kind of looking outside. That's cool. Yeah, yeah stick to that. I like that. That was Good a answer. fantastic story. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you were great too. 14 seasons. You're a veteran, man. Old person, yeah. Can you sign my boots? <laughs> Pacific 
on ABC Radio Australia. All right, some tough headlines this week, says. What are we going to tackle first? First thing we need to speak about is Gus Gould, who has joined the Canterbury Bulldogs. Yeah, so he's taken on the general manager of football role at the Bulldogs, which has been vacant for, I think, about eight months. Um, he's been at the Warriors with the, a role with them, doing some work around their whole footy program pathways over in New Zealand. So it's a bit of a mid-season transfer for him, but I think it's a really good pickup for the Bulldogs. Do you think that we could expect to see different things of the Bulldogs with him now involved with the leadership of the club? I think so. Look, he, he is one of the, the wisest football brains that exists. Um, he often, um, I think he's divisive sometimes for some people, but um, he's, he's definitely been around the game long enough, seen plenty of things. And, and one thing that I've learnt in my short time in football is that experience can buy you a lot in terms of knowledge. And mm. uh, he's definitely got a wealth of it. He's been at the Bulldogs before as a player and a coach. So that's um, no doubt going to give him a good understanding of the club as, as what, what they're about, the fabric of the club, um, what Bulldogs football is. Because Bulldogs is a team that's been built around a strong culture, a tough culture, and um, there's been some really big figures in their history. Uh, he'll be able to bring that forward into like sort of a contemporary view. And he's got a great coach uh, in Trent Barrett, a great young coach who's got um, some plans for the team. I think it's going to be really good for the club. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing, I guess, how the Bulldogs perform under his leadership as well. Um, Olympics and COVID. Well, it's pretty crazy to think that we're now in the lead up to the Olympics. It's We've been speaking about it for the longest time and it's finally here. It's very exciting because I've been following a lot of athletes on socials and a ton of athletes, actually, I'm going to say all of the athletes have now safely arrived into Tokyo. I know that there has been, um, I guess, a bit of concern because some of the athletes have actually tested positive to COVID, but they're in quarantine. I guess it raises the question, do you think um, that it's very risky having all of these internationals in the country? Oh, it's, it's hugely risky. And, and I know there's been a lot of protests um, in Japan, in Tokyo, from people saying that it shouldn't go ahead. And there's been debate uh, since it was cancelled last year when they'd have it on, if it should be on. And, and it's ongoing. Um, but when there's, I think, 11,000 athletes competing at the Olympics and, and they're all going to be going through uh, the Olympic, the athlete village at, at one point or another, there's a really high risk that... Um, COVID variants from all over the world are going to be moving in and out of this area and it's going to be um, a wait and see to how they can manage um, the issues when they arise, which we, we know they've, they've already arisen before we've seen the opening ceremony. So it's, it's going to be a real big challenge for organisers to get this off without having too many hiccups, um, but it's going to be, everyone's going to be sitting and waiting on a nice edge to see what happens. I agree with all those things that you said, Hala, and I think it's really important to note that while there may be uncertainty for these athletes. It's also their livelihood. It's a very special opportunity for them to express themselves on the word stage and secure themselves some sponsorship deals um, and just give themselves that exposure that they would have lost, I guess, over the past year and a half or so. Yeah. And talking about exposure, one of those individuals that's going to have an opportunity to get some is Malia Paseka, who's going to be the first uh, Tongan female Taekwondo Olympian. So that's a huge achievement for Mali. I can't wait to see her go around in Tokyo. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I just love seeing that there are um, Pacifica athletes on the mat. We've highlighted this before. We're also Pacifica athletes are so known for what they can do on the field or the court, but not necessarily the mat. So yeah, like you, I'm very much looking forward to it. Breaking the mould. Fiji Sevens, this is what we spoke about earlier when we're talking about rugby in Fiji and Fiji and the Sevens often come up when, when the two are talked about together because... 
They are the national treasures. They really are. And um, I heard a story earlier this week where part, uh, sorry, some of the Fijians had to travel on freight planes to get to Tokyo because there weren't enough commercial flights to get them over. In my honest opinion, I think that's really poor. Um, they are athletes who are going to represent their nation on the biggest world stage. And I don't think that's not necessarily a lack of resources. I think there's just a lack of uh, care. Yeah, you, you would think that they there was a, some other arrangement that they could have made. Look, this is going to be something that we see play out through the Olympics. Is there's, a, there's a lot of nations that are under-resourced in the way that they've prepared and coming into the Olympics. And there's those nations that, as we know, have an endless amount of cash to throw towards their athletes. And often we see them at the top of the medal count. I know it's, there's populations that, uh, that they can choose from for their athletes. So they're going to have a lot of talent to choose from. But, um, you know, there's a real disparity between the haves and have nots in the Olympics, uh, Altogether. Yes, and undoubtedly the Fijians were just taking into their stride. Um, you know, we're not necessarily, you know, the nation is known for not necessarily having a lot, but they're the happiest people on earth. And I just know that every athlete that will have the opportunity to represent Fiji um, will forget about the flight very quickly and just focus um, on their performance and what they can achieve. So, yeah, let's just watch this space and see what they do. We wish them all the best. And uh, something that uh, you can speak to, you, you've, you've mentioned this to me before, the Oceania Football Confederation uh, has their first women's football strategy and all in. Yes, it's a new plan that focuses on increasing participation and development opportunities. Um FIFA is aiming to send two Oceania teams to the World Cup, which we know will be hosted here in Australia in 2023. I think it's a really exciting opportunity because what it enables women of the Pacific to do is put their hand up and compete on the biggest football stage. So um, they have a really ambitious goal um, to have... 60 million girls playing by 2027. Um, but while I say ambitious, I think it's also very achievable. So great opportunity and um, a very great initiative from them. Great to forward plan these things, not to just say, okay, we're going to jump on something at the last minute and see what we can do with it. They've put some time into coming up with a strategy. And then, as you said, they've got targets in mind for, for years down the track. And uh, it's, it's a great start uh, for football to have that opportunity. Yes. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Another part of the show that I love so much is talking about our socials of the week. Dean, do you want to go first and tell me what you have come across this week? There's been some really good uh, social activity this week. I think Mm. it's got to do with like Everything's moving about in the NRL, so everyone's been pretty active on their socials. But one that stuck it stuck out, stuck out, stuck <laughs> is not a word. One that stuck out to me, Brandon Smith, who we know is a bit of a prank star. Oh, He's this got guy. lots of personality, and he loves to give his coach Craig Bellamy a hard time. Uh, he gave him even a harder, even a harder time when he was uh, getting the bags off the bus. He's seen Bellyache's bag just sitting there, so he decided to unzip it. There was a rock garden right next to where the bus pulled up. He just started putting rock, and they're not. I'm not talking about pebbles. I'm talking about big rocks. Like, oh my goodness! He started loading up his bag with these rocks and zipped it up. <laughs> And it was, a, he thought it was the funniest thing ever, obviously, but I was wanting to see the aftermath. And, and later on, there was another clip of Bellyache trying to move his bag through some people. Really? And he's like, his arm was straining. There was like, someone had the hidden camera down low <laughs> trying to catch him. And there was a few, I think there was some, there was some family, there was some people around where he was going and he was trying to get around. <laughs> it looked very awkward, poor Bellyache. And uh, yeah, I think Brandon's been listed in the team this week. I think he'll play, but... 
He can get away with it. Oh, he really can. He's such a punish, but that's the kind of punish that you want on your team. He just is the person that will bring the vibes, bring the energy and bring the laughs. I want to see if he got up to his room, unpacked his bag and was like, <laughs> where did these rocks come from? I would love to see the first reaction on Bellamy's face once he uncovered those rocks. I reckon he would have gone straight, oh, Brandon. <laughs> expletive, 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 something or other, Brandon. What about yours, Cez? Um, Mine is actually from the Samoa vs Tonga game. As you know, Samoa have qualified for the World Cup. And so as you do after a match like that, they all the players were on the field ready to take a team shot when a person from the crowd runs on, Uncle runs on, he's got no shirt on, and he's chased down by a security guard. The security guard tackles him from behind, um, which is the right thing to do, right, is because you're meant to protect the players. And It was a good tackle. It was a great tackle. Like, the man can tackle. But what what's so funny about it is that the players come over to this, I guess, this little tackle fest that's happening. And rather than like helping the security guard, what they do is they pull up uncle and then they tell the security guard to go away so that he can come and join them for they the push photo. push the security guard away. Yeah, they, they kind of just like shoot him away. Like, nah, he's okay. Like, leave him alone. Like, so it was pretty funny because I guess just the, the roles were reversed in the sense that, no, that guy shouldn't have been doing what he was doing. But, you know, the Samoan players, they were just really proud. And obviously their fans really, um, were, and they just wanted him to be a part of it. Yeah, he wanted to get on to a civil with the team and celebration. <laughs> and uh, Security guards were on alert. They got... They got um. They struggled the week before. Yeah, yeah. They they let someone through and they couldn't they couldn't get Auntie off the week before. So it's funny. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. funny. But I, that's 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 one of the things that we love about Pacific culture is about yeah. bringing family in and celebrating. And um, I think at the end of the day that they got they got him on. He he had a dance with the boys and they celebrated <laughs> the win. Well done. Very special. Um, I also have a social of the week that I just wanted to put forward. Yeah, put it forward. And that is. Dean's son. son yes. <laughs> oh my God, so adorable. Yeah, my my little fella Louis Louis. He's um, he's very difficult at times to get to eat his meals. <laughs> he's I more. Relate. He's, he's more of a grazer. Like he'll graze throughout the day, and most of it's the snack cupboard. He'll just go raid the snack cupboard. Anyway, um, my wife Rochelle cooked him a nice meal. Cooked us all a nice meal, and. She was determined. We were, well, we were both determined for him to finish his meal up at the the kitchen counter, uh, and he's sitting there. And he's eating real slow and he's looking, oh, I'm tired, I'm not hungry. She even played a trick, I'm not hungry, I can't eat. Do you want some chocolate? Yeah. That, that was his response. <laughs> anyway, we, we all left him because he was going for so long and he's sitting there still. One of my daughters gets up, goes to the kitchen, she looks at him, she goes, Mom, Dad, he's asleep. We go, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's asleep. So we go around and he's got his elbows, his hands and his chin and his elbows on the counter on a stool um, asleep. Just fully asleep. So he does He's so cute. Hello. He's a cute kid. He plays it up. He knows he's cute. He gets away with it. He's got mum wrapped around his finger. What about dad? Uh, he does at times, but I have to try and like, um, I probably have more reason to, to crack the whip on him when he does the wrong thing, but I'm worried that he's going to hate me and like, he's already favors mum heavily. So like I try, like I, I try and discipline him, <laughs> but then I like apologize really quickly and give him a cuddle because I want him to Aww. love me. Being at home, lockdown has given me more time with him, which is really That's good. special. Yeah, it is good. That's a real plus. Thanks, Nelly, for shouting out my son, Louis. That's all right. It was so cute. You Isn't should check he? it out on his Instagram. Yeah, go have a look. Have a geezer. Follow him while you're have at it. Have a geezer. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for, but we'll be back again, same time, same place next week. Yes, so if you missed the show or you just want to listen to The Magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website. Bye. Mother. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production.
for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.